Today we'll be discussing the life and career of Bruce Springsteen, and we'll be discussing peptic ulcer disease. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Some might call him the boss of laughs, Ali Hassan. Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy to entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic from medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Today, we'll be discussing the life and career of the boss, Bruce Springsteen. And just uh, let me jump in quickly before there's widespread panic among our listeners. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen's going to be okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Right, but, the life and career almost sounds like it's a uh, yeah, you know, no, eulogizing he's a, well, him or something. We assume he's going to be okay. He did have to cancel some concert yeah. dates for the uh, early part of the fall. Let me rephrase it. He is still alive, correct? And we and he we is. hope from the depths of our hearts that he will continue to be alive for a long time. But but it's interesting because we're setting it up where peptic ulcer diseases pretty serious yeah, i know i haven't finished the introduction yet so yes oh, that's why right. in the second well, half, i have to jump in and calm people down in the second half we're going to be talking about peptic ulcer disease which is a disease he is suffering from which caused him to cancel his north american tour dates in the first part of september i am very anxious about this why because i have tickets to see him in november so let's Let's get a move on. Let's talk about the boss, and then we'll talk about peptic ulcer disease, what he can do about this. I will send this episode to his handlers, and then, oh, then he'll be cured, and then guess what? Backstage passes. Okay, the boss, I mean... um... We're both fans. I would say uh, Asif more of a fan as far as, you know, just having more knowledge about uh, the boss and, and his music than I do. But I, uh, I, I'm, the boss can do no wrong. And, and every time there's something that suggests, you know, like a weird headline that he might have done something wrong, I'm, I like, I hold my breath and then I read it and I'm like, oh, that's, there's nothing. Yeah. Wrong then you're like, it's, it's fine. And that's the thing. He's lived a pretty drama free life. He has mm. a lot of causes, which he supports. Well, you see what happened with Martin Short a few weeks ago. People don't like that. People like to create drama where it doesn't exist. Martin Short, we may talk, I may have to do, I may have to pressure you to do an episode about this, this piece of, <laughs> this rag uh, slate. One of their reporters just did like this, like a kind of hit piece on Martin Short that he's like whatever, not funny. And I didn't read it. Nobody's read it. Nobody's read it. We only know that it exists. And then a bunch of love for Martin Short. Well, listen, I love Martin Short as well. So yeah, we, we, maybe we should do a topic on that, but Bruce Springsteen, you know, when we talk about him, he's released 21 studio albums. His career spanned over six decades. They say he started this Heartland Rock, which, uh, you know, it's, he kind of combines this, uh, poetic, socially conscious storytelling, sort of like a Bob Dylan, but then has this narrative, especially about working class American life, right? He's like the mm. quintessential American singer. Uh, grew up in Freehold, New Jersey, 
And interesting, you know, his house was near a Nestle factory. So in his autobiography, he writes how it could smell like chocolate and coffee all day long, which is pretty. He could probably write that into a song too. Uh, yeah, he, he, he grew up have. by the factory, <laughs> smell like coffee and cocoa. Now it's, uh, uh, yeah, it he needs could. some work. It needs some work, He's, but he almost there. That. He would make it. He would make it something. So. His mother worked as a legal secretary, and she was actually the main breadwinner. His father worked in factories, different factories, as a bus driver, taxi driver. He did a bunch of different things. Daddy drove a bus, and he drove it off a cliff. So... And he elaborates this uh, on Springsteen on Broadway. So I'm kind of jumping around a bit, but Springsteen on Broadway was his Broadway show he did about five or six years ago. It is so good, by the way. Yeah, so you can watch it on Netflix. It is highly recommended, even if you don't like Bruce Springsteen, because what he does is he'll tell stories, a lot of them from his book, and then he'll launch to a song, and the song has something to do with the story he just told. But it's very clear in that documentary um, and, and that Broadway concert that he feels like a fraud, right? Like he, and he says that out loud, like his dad was the working man. Springsteen, he says he never had a job, never had a nine to five, never worked more like like five days a week in his life. Um, you know, it's yeah. So he's like he's just he's literally writing the experiences of others and what he sees in the American landscape, and and he admits to this. Very interesting. Eh? And he is so good and 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 beyond reproach that he's telling us he's a fraud, and we're like, no. No, Bruce, we don't accept it. Like, you just can't accept that about Bruce. Because mm-hmm. in the end, you're such a gifted storyteller and songwriter that it's okay that you consider yourself a fraud because you gave us this window into mm-hmm. the lives of working class people. So that that is exactly. your gift. That's your So it was, I, I, I couldn't help but think about like somebody else just standing up there going, I'm a fraud. And you know, half the audience would have turned on, on them. And exactly. Like, so fraud. He, we, he's generated so much goodwill over the years that he yeah. can say that. And it's just him reflecting on himself. So, um, you know, he got interested in music when he saw, as many people did, Elvis Presley on the Ed Sullivan show in 1956, 1957, you know, tried to learn to play guitar. His mother rented a guitar for him to use. And then, you know, eventually he just started playing in bands in the Jersey area, trying to get out of that, that, that area of the country. Interestingly, you know, he was drafted when he was 19, but he failed the physical examination because he had a concussion a few years ago in a, a few years prior to that, I should say, uh, Mm -hmm. from a motorcycle accident. So he avoided serving in the Vietnam war. And as well, he talks about this in Springsteen on Broadway and in his book that this weighed on him heavily, like, because his friends went to war and died and he did it. And he's like, if you don't go, someone else went in your place, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons he wrote Born in the USA was because of this, right? Sure, sure. In retrospect, probably felt like a very unpatriotic mm-hmm. um, act, even though it was out of his control. I always assumed, or not always, but for many years, I assumed it was an act of rebellion that he didn't yeah, want to fight exactly, in the war. Exactly, but he, that's not necessarily the case. So, you know, in his career then, in the early 70s, he forms... A band which became the E Street Band, and then they released the first album, which was Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey. And of course, you know, got some success with that. Uh, but then by 1975, releases Born to Run, and that was the breakthrough album for Bruce Springsteen. And 
you know, a huge, huge, huge album. And that kind of set his career in motion. After that, he releases the river and Nebraska, which apparently he was suffering some fr- from depression at the time. Now in hindsight, he says he realized that he had depression. So when you listen to those albums, you understand why, like they are quite um, depressing kind of albums. And then after that born in the USA, one of the biggest uh, albums of all time, 15 million copies in the U S 30 million worldwide, seven singles hitting the top 10. Right. So just absolutely amazing. I thought maybe Ali, we would, Instead of just going over more of his life in chronological order, we would just talk a bit, a bit, a bit of trivia about him that you and I have found. We can do that. I, uh, I, I can't help but think about my brother-in-law right now, Azim. He and I watched Springsteen on Broadway a few years ago together. We waited, you know, we saved it for each other. And I, I can, can't help but think like how my wife kept walking in and was like, hey, do you guys want anything to drink right now? We'd be like, hey, shh, stop it. Get out of here. What do you, you can't just speak to it. It was like such a precious moment. And, um, you know, the boss is like, either you get it or you don't in a way, you know, and I'm, I'm sure there's people who are like, I don't fully appreciate this, but I think that movie is incredible. Um, but yeah, that's my, that's my home trivia, Asif, that uh, oh, your home we trivia. shushed my wife Me. during uh, Springsteen on Broadway. Yeah. So Inappropriate. I'm, I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of it, but uh, you know, it's, it was Springsteen. I don't know what to tell you. Well, uh, something people wonder is how he got the nickname The Boss. So apparently he got this name at the beginning because he would take the band's nightly pay and distribute it to everyone. So he was The Boss. But apparently also they would play a lot of Monopoly. And I guess he was like, I don't know. What's the name of the Monopoly guy? Not Daddy Warbucks. That's from Annie. Whatever that guy is, Mr. Monopoly. And Mm, so Mr. Monopoly, uh, that's what I've known him as. he, he He was called The Boss. So that's how he got his nickname. And of course... You know, when people cheer him in his concerts, they yell Bruce, but it sounds like boo, right? It does. You gotta be. Yeah. You gotta be careful. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen also, some people may not know. If you're a huge boss fan, you know all this. But if you're sort of in the middle where I am, uh, or or I, I lean a little bit more towards a super fan, but I do, uh, I had forgotten about how much of a reputation he'd earned as a songwriter writing uh, songs for other bands. Um, Manfred Mann has that song Blinded by the Light, which is interesting that the movie later, there's a whole, there's a whole story about that, but Blinded by, Blinded by the, you can picture Bruce Springsteen singing that song and in my mind better than Manfred Mann, but he was, he was doing stuff that would make other people quite successful uh, Patty Smith reached number 13 mm-hmm. with her version of, of Springsteen's because the night he hadn't released it yet. And then he sang it with Patty Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have this mm-hmm. duet. That's just amazing. That's an incredible duet. Um, okay. A couple, a bit more trivia from my point of view, of course, Clarence Clemens was the saxophonist for the East street band, probably the best rock saxophonist in history. I think most people would agree. Uh, he, he passed away several years ago, uh, sadly, uh, and, but his nephew is Jake Clemens, who is now in the E Street Band and plays saxophones. That's kind of a neat familial thing. If I can add to the neatness, Asif, I interviewed him a few years ago, Jake Clemens. Oh yeah. We had an unbelievable connection. Like you, sometimes you do an interview where just like everything else gets shut out. You even forget that you have listeners or anybody. Mm. We just had this, one of my top interviews of all times of all time, actually. And and right after the interview, he's like, are you coming to the show tonight? Would you like tickets? 
and you know, I, you're not really supposed to, you know, it, it feels like there might be a conflict of interest, but, um, I quietly said yes and went to watch him perform, uh, that night. He's absolutely by himself or he was with, no, with, with a few other people, uh, Mm. smaller band, intimate venue, only a few hundred people, but diehard fans, people who would definitely be like, uh, you know, sitting right beside you at the Bruce Springsteen concert in November. It was amazing. Oh, that's great. Uh, what else in terms of trivia? Uh, the river, uh, the song "The River" is based on his sister's life. She got pregnant at age eighteen. I know, such a good song. Uh, oh, that's a great song. The live version of that song is also the first time I really heard and, and appreciated his storytelling. Right before the river yeah. starts on uh, on the live album, he he does some storytelling, and you almost need to pause it for a second and digest the story before you can move into the into the song itself. Yeah, really, no, really, for good. sure. What else? You know, I didn't realize this till I was doing some research. I didn't remember this. So in July 1988, he did a concert in East Germany. Okay, this is pre the pre fall of the Berlin Wall. Down. Yeah, uh, and okay, again, Ollie and I lived through the fall of the Berlin Wall. It was a huge. I mean, it's hard to uh, overstate how big of a shift that was in the world at the time. Yeah. His concert in East Germany attracted 300,000 spectators, and it has been called the most important rock concert ever because it was done to placate the youth of East Germany who were pushing for reforms uh, in East Germany. And uh, so it was done to kind of placate them. But this kind of catalyzed the opposition to the uh, regime, the communist regime in East Germany, and helped contribute to the fall of the Berlin Wall the next year. So it, it really was an unbelievable uh, achievement on his part. I can't believe he was placating. Come mm. on, the boss was placating? No, the that, they hired him or had him come to placate them. Did not work. Catalyzed it. They screwed it. up, they screwed up huge. Yep. Yep, yep. I didn't know this, uh, Asif, as, as I was looking up different things about Bruce Springsteen that I thought might be interesting in 2021, he sold the masters of his entire catalog and the music publishing rights to Sony for $500 million. Do you know what that's about and why he would do that? What what I know about music is you never, you do everything you can to retain publishing. Yeah. I I think that has a bit to do with his age because the people who you see do that is the estates of people who've passed away or people who are older, right? Because in oh perpetuity, God, so he doesn't does he need know? this. I don't know. Does he know gonna... Peptic ulcer disease? I don't know. So I, I think that's that's it. Whereas younger people who sell their masters or there's issue with their, uh, like, like with Taylor Swift, then I think that's a bit of a different situation. Also, I think it also goes to prove how little money people make from streaming and from uh, CD sales, you know, downloads, et cetera, iTunes, et cetera. So, because most of the money that most artists make is through concerts so mm-hmm. i think then he gets a lump sum 500 million is quite a bit of money right and then he has that now instead of relying on future earnings that's my understanding again we could probably ask people who know more about the music biz mm-hmm. as we talk about his uh his age and his health mm. very interesting thing is that i don't think i appreciated this at the time he was in his 30s when he started to talk about struggles with depression. I mean, he's in his 60s now. Think about that. Dude, he's 73. He's 73. I'm so sorry. Oh my God, he looks so good. So 43 years ago, or, you know, in the neighborhood of that, talking about depression, I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. 
That's enormous. That's I, I, f- I find that very brave in a way. You don't know what the reaction is going to be at that time. This is not like now where we mental health is something you talk about all the time, very publicly. This was like, you know, he could have lost fans with that. He could have, uh, people could have turned on him and said he's, he's soft, you know. Who knows what New Jersey would have done. But he, yeah, he changed his, his, his life around. He had... Poor health. At one point, he had to be helped off of stage after a yeah. show because of his poor health, which that's definitely not a period that I remember at all. Neither, I don't know yeah. how long it lasted, but man, this guy's just looked like the epitome of good health. But, you know, that three three plus decades ago, he started following a mostly vegetarian diet and running six miles a day and lifting weights and all that. That's the Bruce I know and love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's yeah, who no. I will become. Well, there you go. Yeah, Excellent. No? Okay. Um, yeah, and he's in great health these days. Uh, truly amazing in terms of how he's doing. I hope he recovers again from the peptic ulcer disease. So, uh, you know, really a preview for a few minutes from now in the second half of the episode. But before we finish this, a couple of things. Uh, I want to just talk about his family for a bit. Of course, he's married to Patty Scalfa, who's also in the E Street Band, multi-instrumentalist, singer. And, of course, they met after she joined the uh, E Street Band. She joined, uh, and then they got together as a couple later on. Now, he was married um, for a time, had no kids. And I, I remember this. It, it's, it reminds me of what you were saying about Martin Short. Like, I remember in the news in the mid to late 80s when he got together with Patty, it was all in the news. Oh, you know, he's left his wife and is with his bandmate trying to make it into a scandal. In the end, it wasn't a scandal. He wasn't compatible with his wife. They both agreed to that. They had no kids and they got divorced. And now he's been with Patty Scal for four, I don't know, 40 plus years. Um, so, I, I it, it, again, it's just a no just something to sell newspapers uh to get uh ratings for tv shows back in the day and uh, now it would be getting clicks but it, it was a whole lot of nothing and of course he had kids afterwards uh one of them evan is kind of i, I think in the music industry a bit singing songwriting but the other two are very interesting so his daughter jessica is a world champion equestrian and she went to the summer olympics uh several years ago uh, she took home a silver medal in 2021 for a team jumping competition. So she is like at the, at, you know, at the highest level of this sport. And he has another son named Sam, who is a firefighter in New Jersey. So it's kind of like you're seeing both sides of Springsteen, mm. right? He is a super rich guy. We talked about the 500 million. Uh, you know, his house is all over North America and uh, his daughter competes in a pretty, you know, expensive sport, let's say, that you need resources for. And the son, ah, oh, firefighter in New Jersey, right? One last thing that I, I definitely wanted to mention, you know, there's this interesting Pakistani connection. Oh, yeah. That my brother-in-law and I, uh, Azim, who I already mentioned, sort of created around uh, around Bruce Springsteen over the years because... There's a memoir written by a guy named Sarfraz Manzoor. He's a, um, Sarfraz is a, um, a journalist in, um, journalist and writer in England. And he wrote a memoir called Greetings from Bury Park. Um, very much inspired by the work of Bruce Springsteen, obviously. And uh, Bury Park is where he grew up uh, outside of London, I believe. And, uh, eventually, now we already thought that was great. That was 2007. And eventually, you know, uh, years later, um, over a decade later, this Grinder Chadda, who, who's a director of Bendit like Beckham, bought, I guess, the rights to this memoir, but worked with Safraz Manzoor as well. And they 
they made this film and this film is obviously it's called blinded by the light. If you haven't seen it, I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, it also features 19 different songs, all kind of, you know, blessed by, with, with Bruce Springsteen's blessings. He gave his blessing for the music to be used in the film. And, um, it's just an incredible, like, I was so excited for Sarfraz Manzur, who would have never imagined as a kid loving Bruce Springsteen that he would eventually do this Pakistani movie that, you know, pays so much tribute to Bruce Springsteen. So, um, even if you subtract the Pakistani equation here, this movie is is really, really yeah, exciting. It, it really is well. so good. It's a great movie. I, I watched it, and then I watched it again with my wife because it was so good. I want to watch it with my kids. One of my favorite movies came out in 2019. It's honestly one of my favorite movies ever. It, it is so great. Again, he, this is about a guy growing up in a working-class neighborhood who wants to do something else with his life, not work in a factory. He wants to uh, be a writer. And how... The music of Bruce Springsteen influenced him for that. And of course, uh, as a spoiler, the author eventually does get to meet Bruce Springsteen years later uh, after he wrote his book. And so um, it, it's it's totally great. So really two huge recommendations in terms of things that people should watch. I cannot recommend these two things enough. Blinded by the Light, uh, the movie that Ali was just talking about, and Springsteen on Broadway. Again, you don't have to like Bruce Springsteen. And you know, just in our last few minutes, we're going to wrap up with a little uh, a little game Ali and I are going to play. Bruce Springsteen, I was like Ali, I think, and, and I realized this with some of the other bands. I know people think I'm a crazy U2 fan, but I never used to be. It just, over time, they kept putting out so much good stuff that you can't not like it. Same with Bruce Springsteen. I didn't love him in the 80s, but he just You're has crazy. so many good songs and so much stuff I just love. And then I saw him in concert uh, uh, several years ago when he was touring with the album Wrecking Ball. And I knew quite a few of his songs. My wife just knew his hits and that was it. And I remember walking out of it and I asked her what she thought. She's like, I didn't know a lot of the songs, but that is easily the best concert I've ever seen in my life. And that's it. It was three and a half hours, just nonstop Bruce Springsteen, no breaks, no intermission, no opening act. And he, you can't help but like just love his music after this. And then the more you get into it uh, and the more you kind of discover songs that aren't as popular, the more you love it even more. So that segues into this topic. So what, the little game I'm going to play is Ali. I told Ali, I want him to present a couple songs you know three songs. four five arm wrestling yeah that's sorry okay. <laughs> then i'll lose for sure but three to five songs for bruce springsteen that people may not be aware of kind of hidden gems maybe not as popular and let's just let's just talk about those because we can go through his hits everybody knows the hits like uh there are so many classic songs but i thought maybe this might be a bit more interesting for people so ali do you have a do you have a list we could each go through i, I do I, I i picked three i could have picked 43. I'll tell you, you know, you and I are so different in this way. Like you'll see which uh, I picked songs, you know, that before you started listening to Bruce that I, yeah, that I yeah. love, like, I love yeah. it. Same thing with you too. I mean, that first U2 album is the yeah. first two are like my favorite albums. You two. Anyway, yeah. I live in the past. What am I going to say? So the first song that I would recommend that people may not be familiar with, it's called Incident on 57th Street. It's from this album called The Wild, The Innocent, and The E Street Shuffle, 1973.
it is again this I don't know like his storytelling before I knew the word storytelling before I knew the word evocative and uh, you know, this like romanticizing that he does of things in New York and New Jersey before I fully appreciated any of it. I already loved this music. And um, this song, you know, like um, reminiscent of, you know, Bon Jovi, uh, who, mm-hmm. who used to work on the docks. Yeah. Bobby used to work on the docks. Joni got a, whatever it is. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm, come yeah, on. Yeah, I do. I don't Donnie. Donnie used Donnie. to work on okay. the docks. I think it's Donnie. Anyway, none of us know Donnie, but all of us know Donnie. You know, and I remember feeling that about this song. It's like this, you know, this, this, this pair of Latin lovers, Spanish Johnny. He starts talking about Spanish Johnny and uh, an older woman, Puerto Rican Jane. And he's told about their, their, their love affair. And, um, I don't know. I just thought it was so good. I was like, what is this? What is this movie playing in my mind that this person has created with their, with their music? And mm-hmm. so, uh, as far as storytelling goes, I thought that's such a great song. Uh, another one I picked is from 1978 from darkness on the edge of town. It's called something in the night. This is long before I ever really knew who Max Weinberg was. You know, Conan obviously popularized Max Weinberg. His he was the band, band for, leader, for, yeah. for yeah for the band leader for uh, for for Conan's show. Um, but I just remember this song starts with some incredible piano. I think it's Roy Bitten or Roy Bittan's piano, Max Weinberg's sort of rumbling drums, Springsteen kind of like howling off the top. One of the greatest beginnings on a such an evocative beginning of a song and then the song is beautiful something in the night you know you're born with nothing and you're better off that way Mm -hmm. soon as you've got something they send someone to try and take it away these fantastic lyrics that just stick with you and i always feel like springsteen is not something you should have in the background while you're doing nothing you could do that with the hits but Springsteen, you sit back, totally. close your eyes, and That's let this music absolutely take you it. somewhere. That's this, absolutely the beauty it. of the, the yeah. Um, and later, I learned this song. Like at this very time, he was fighting for control over publishing, control of his mm. own publishing. Uh, with his uh, his manager, Mike Appel. So we, people started to wonder if that's what some of these lyrics were about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third song. Now I get more into your era, Asif. It's uh, from a 1992 album, Lucky Town. And this song is called If I Should Fall Behind. Should we lose each other in the shadow of the evening trees? I'll wait for you. Should I fall behind? Wait for me. Darling, I'll wait for you. Should I fall behind? Wait for me. I I, I like songs about two lovers, it turns out. I really love songs about two lovers. They swore they'd travel side by side. And this, this, this idea of like the way they support each other, you know, if I fall behind, 
if I if, if I if I if I fall, um, please wait for me, mm-hmm, and I'll mm-hmm. do the same for you. If mm-hmm, you ever mm-hmm. fall behind, I'll wait for you to catch up, so that this couple is in stride with mm-hmm. each other. It's a beautiful song, and yeah. as I said, I could name fifty others, um, but I just didn't want this to be a three-hour. Totally. So totally. those are my guys. No, those are great. So I'm going to name five. I, as I usual, I usually do more than Ali, but I'll be trying to be uh, speedy about this. The fifth one I'm going to talk about in reverse kind of order is uh, was what you said before, Because the Night. There are some great live versions that Bruce Springsteen does alone, not with Patti Smith. And uh, it's such a good song. Oh my gosh. It's a, it's amazing. I, and again, this is what I'll just play and listen to it. Not do anything else as you said, just listen to it. But I would suggest you guys check out a live version. Another live version to check out. So number four is No Surrender. This isn't really a hidden track. This is on the second side, whether it's an album or a tape of Born in the USA. So yeah, obviously you everybody's said seven this. singles. Yeah. yeah. You had mentioned seven singles. Yeah. Went I don't know if this was one. a single or not, but he plays it so much in but concerts. But either way, a very, yes, yeah. a very yeah. well-worn, well-explored yeah. record. By But by again, I would check out uh, the live version of No Surrender. It is just a killer in concert. It is so mm. good. That is a quintessential Bruce Springsteen song and the stuff that I love about him so much. A couple more. Radio Nowhere. It's from the Magic album. This was the first single. And it is just so, again, for 2007, so we're talking about the early 2000s, it is such a great, fast-paced song. And it, to me, proves that he can do you know, more contemporary songs. If he wants to, he can do any kind of style produced by Brendan O'Brien, who uh, Bruce Springsteen worked with quite a bit afterwards. He was a big Pearl Jam producer back in the day. Mm. Uh, And you can really hear the the production by Brendan O'Brien. It's such a great song. I love it so much. I did see Bruce Springsteen when he did this Wrecking Ball tour. Uh, This is around 2012. So he was supporting the album Wrecking Ball. It has some great tracks on it. I suggest people check out the title track, Wrecking Ball. Really good. Uh, 
again talking about uh, Americana, small towns, uh, but still informing that with what happened with 9-11 and everything that happens afterwards in the U.S. Great, great song. And then finally, I'm going to talk about another song from Lucky Town. In, in, I think it was 91, 92, the double albums were all, you know, coming out. So Guns N' Roses released a double album, and then later on, uh, Smashing Pumpkins were would release Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. But he released Lucky Town and Human Touch, right, as a double album. Human Touch is not a good album. <laughs> I own both. Uh-huh. It's not good. Lucky Town is so good, and it's the one that people maybe have heard of, uh, maybe not not as much as Human Touch. I'd say the first seven songs, and If I Should Fall Behind is one of those, are mm. Stone Cold classics. Every song is good, but the seventh track is Living Proof. This song, it was written about his first son, Evan, being born. And if you want to hear a song, which is which is up-tempo, but about how amazing it is to have a child for the first time and what that means to you and your life and how it changes your life, this is the song. There are some versions online which are slower and a lot more kind of emotional, but this song is so good. So definitely check it out. And so if you're wondering where to, you know, how you can kind of, consolidate all these things i would say check out any of the live uh albums that springsteen has because you can get some of these songs on and definitely just re-listen to lucky town again because you're going to find some great songs that honestly you have not heard in in like 20 years and they all stand the test of time yeah you could do it while you're raking leaves or washing dishes but don't do it while the kids are around and somebody's not watching tv no no yes requires focus Absolutely. And now, as Asif requested to end this section, I will now sing seven minutes of Thunder Road. Screen door slams. Mary's drill. Okay. All right. You know what? I don't know. I don't know how to end it. And also, I really like this because uh, two of the songs that you just mentioned, I don't really know them that well. So it's like, oh, I have to get back to exploring Bruce Springsteen. What? It's like it's like this gift that keeps on giving. That's, uh, that's how big this... Repertoire is the boss. The boss. Okay, awesome. Now for some, uh, you know, slightly disconcerting news, and at the very least, and and the idea is really to ask you how concerning it is. Tell us what a peptic ulcer is. Tell us. Does having one mean you have the disease or is the disease something bigger and broader than just Mm. having one peptic ulcer? Do they come in ones? How would Bruce have gotten this? What's Mm -hmm. the, uh, what lies ahead for Bruce Springsteen? Yeah. I mean, so many good questions there. I I don't know. I think whatever is going on is on the severe end of the spectrum because we'll go through some of the symptoms in a second, but you know, uh, something, you know, to interfere with his work ethic, Right, we talked about him doing three and a half hour concerts, playing many nights in a row, often at venues. Uh, whatever's going on is probably pretty serious. So he may have has one of the more serious symptoms, but uh, essentially, peptic ulcers is an ulceration in either your stomach 
or duodenum. So the duodenum is the first part of the small intestine that, uh, you know, you see it right after your stomach. So one of those two spots, uh, you get this ulceration breakdown in your, in the lining of, of the stomach, and that can obviously cause, cause symptoms. Uh, you know, normally we have a balance between the acid in our stomach and the, what we call the mucosal defense. So the gastric mucosa is the lining of our stomach. And so, you know, our stomach has to be resistant to acid because otherwise you just eat your own stomach, right? Like, so, but when the balance is disrupted, that's when you can get um, this peptic ulcer disease. Okay. My question also was, does a one peptic ulcer suggest peptic ulcer disease? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You shouldn't really have it without... Uh, even having one would be considered peptic ulcer disease, uh, for sure. Uh, yeah. And is that your medical people, uh, trying to make some extra money off this? No, no, no. it's, it's a serious thing to have a peptic ulcer for sure. What would cause it? What are the variety of things that could cause this? Yeah. And so first of all, I should mention it's very common in the U S it affects 4.6 million people annually. Okay. And they think that at least 10% of the population will have evidence of a duodenal ulcer. So sort of a bit more further down in your GI tract uh, at some point. I mean, this is a huge numbers, right? So, and uh, the things that cause like your basic stomach ulcer, somebody might say, I have a stomach ulcer. We don't assume that's peptic ulcer. No, or, so I think they... sometimes people say that. And what they mean is that I have heartburn. Right. And so we'll, well, let's talk about it now. Certain things can cause heartburn and can also cause ulcers and again disrupting this balance between your mucosal defense and gastric acid secretion so the most common things are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory or NSAID so ibuprofen naproxen which is a leave these things with prolonged use that is the most common reason alcohol can also affect it but one of the things that people don't uh, really know is that a bacterial infection can also cause this okay and this is something called h pylori and basically it contributes to peptic ulcer disease this microorganism this bacteria is resistant to the acid in the stomach and basically it can survive for years there and cause inflammation of your mucosa so the lining of your stomach and duodenum and that's basically what causes it uh, in many many people so the story behind this is really interesting so there are a couple of physicians in Australia who felt that this H. pylori bacteria was the cause of peptic ulcer disease. So you can imagine back in the eighties, what do you think everybody, the other physicians thought about their hypothesis? I don't know. They thought they were insane. Yeah. Everyone was against them. Like you have no idea. This is garbage. You know, a bacteria, how could a bacteria live in the stomach? It would be, you know, dissolved immediately. And what year was that? The early 80s, 1982. That's very recently. Yeah. So basically, they knew everyone was against them. So this one guy named Barry Marshall, uh, one of of this, and these guys eventually won the Nobel Prize, so don't feel too bad for them. They were vindicated. But he needed to show that this was a cause of the gastritis. It could just be a bystander, right? It's a coincidence. How would you prove it? He took a beaker of H. pylori bacteria and drank it. And he already had a, a scope, which we'll talk about in a second beforehand, showing he didn't have ulcers beforehand. And then he developed nausea and vomiting several days later. 
10 days later, they did endoscopy and they found signs of inflammation of his stomach. Good Lord, this guy really wanted to prove a point. Yeah, it's one of the most famous stories in medicine because he really, as you said, he really wanted to prove that this was the cause. And then he did. And, and, And the understanding of peptic ulcers changed completely with their research uh so it, it, it completely changed what we thought was possible uh because this guy was right and he was held his belief strongly so what are the symptoms i'm sure there's a range of them some yeah. keep you from doing the work that you need to do and others yeah. are are more mild yeah so let's talk about the more milder ones so so stomach pain is the most common symptom so usually it's for a gastric ulcer. So in your stomach, it will be shortly after a meal, you'll get some pain. It's like a gnawing, burning sensation. Okay. If you have a duodenal ulcer, cause that's further away from your stomach, it'll be two or three hours after a meal. Okay. Some of these patients with duodenal ulcers can also get pain at nighttime when they're trying to uh, sleep. And again, that's more common uh, with the duodenal ulcers. Uh, you might have bloating nausea, uh, vomiting several hours after food intake. So, but it's several hours afterwards. People seem to think that for some reason, the peptic ulcer disease, if it's causing some sort of obstruction will occur right after a meal. It's not right after a meal. It's several hours afterwards. Um, you can get heartburn, though heartburn, as we say, can just be caused by what's called gastroesophageal reflux disease. That's a bit different uh, than this kind of different kind of pain and burning sensation that develops afterwards, after a meal. Chest discomfort. Now, sometimes if it's severe, you can get into some other issues, which would be a bit more concerning. And I do wonder if Bruce Springsteen had some of these. So you could get hematoemesis, vomiting blood. That would be extremely severe. If that happens to you, please go to the emergency room immediately. Or you can have Melina. Now, Ali, we talked about Melina before. Do you remember what Melina is? I don't. I it's, said something dumb about it when you asked me in the past. What it's is it? darkly co- colored stool. So if your stool looks black, it's because you had blood that was in your stomach or higher up in your, and you basically digested the blood and it mm. will turn black and, and mix with your stool. So that's what it looks like. So that's a So Melina if anybody stool. ever wrote a song called Melina about a girl named Melina, doctors would be laughing about that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you could, it's rarely you could have bleeding uh, from from your rectum, but that's not very common uh, because it's so much higher up, like kind of gets the blood will get digested on the way down. Or you can have anemia, so low blood counts, which could be causing fatigue, shortness of breath, right? So um, basically there are warning signs, they call these alarm features. Uh, where you need to go see a gastroenterologist, a stomach specialist immediately. So uh, bleeding, obviously, anemia, so low blood counts, getting full very early uh, after a meal, unexplained weight loss, a progressive difficulty swallowing or pain swallowing, recurrent vomiting. Um, these, these will all be reasons to, um, to, to send someone uh, to go be assessed. How do you determine if it's ulcers and not something else? You mentioned that 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 doctor, that uh, OG mm-hmm. borderline insane guy uh, had an endoscopy, right? This right. Called- so you definitely need to do that. That's the treatment that's recommended uh, for most patients. If, if you're uh, unsure, um, 
you can also do some radiological studies, but they're kind of moving away from that and they do recommend uh, endoscopy. When that's done, how quickly that's done, that depends on what your symptoms are. If you're actively bleeding or if you're very, very sick from an ulcer, that would happen immediately. Uh, you know, if if it's more long-term symptoms, that then you that may be done as an outpatient. Everybody who has peptic ulcer disease or suspected peptic ulcer disease needs to be tested for H. pylori. There's different ways you can do it. When you're getting an endoscope, they can biopsy the area, but there's other ways that you can do it. You can do a fecal antigen test in someone's stool to check for that. There's also a breath test that they used to use, but they're kind of moving more to the stool test because it's cheaper and um, a bit more reliable. So those are the main sort of tests that you do. Your family doctor might do the H. pylori test, and then you could be referred to a gastroenterologist for the scope. I would love to hear that there's some diet, dietary changes, lifestyle changes you can make. Uh, but probably just tell me what, what, what is the treatment? What, what can be? Yeah. Do? So, yeah, I mean, there are some, so stopping alcohol use, uh, if there are foods that are aggravating it, but you need to take a step further. You can't just leave it at that. Uh, so okay. obviously if you take NSAIDs like ibuprofen, naproxen, you need to stop those or switch to ones that are less harmful to your stomach. And you can, you will need to start with, they call it triple therapy. So usually it's two antibiotics and something to help with acid suppression. Now we use what are called PPIs or proton pump inhibitors. So you start on anti-reflux medication, but in this case, it's a proton pump inhibitor to decrease the acid in the stomach. And then you need to take two antibiotics to try and get rid of the H. pylori. So you really need a medical treatment. You can, afterwards, you can look into lifestyle changes, but you really need to do that. So usually it's a PPI as well as amoxicillin or clarithromycin, but there's other antibiotics that can be used as well. And you use okay, those for seven short to 14, term. yeah, seven to 14 days. And then, and then hopefully things will, will, will improve over time. And then you could just be followed up over time. Now I will tell you there is the worst scenario, which maybe this, this would be a very severe thing if it happened to Bruce, which would be a perforation. So the way I think about it is, imagine if you have this ulceration, but the acid burns and burns its way through and then creates a hole in your stomach. So now you have your stomach contents going into your abdomen, right? Now, when you say a hole, we don't have to visualize a sinkhole. It could also be a perforation true to the word perforation. Like it could be tiny, tiny little. Sure, sure. Yeah, right? that's okay. usually what it is. If you had a massive yeah. hole, you just would die. Um, so, so yeah. But so doesn't this sound like the leaky gut thing that you were, uh, that you roll your eyes at? Doesn't no. This, isn't that what that we, is? We could talk, no, no, no. talk about that that at a totally different time. This is an yeah. actual hole. Like if you look at it, you see a hole. If you okay. have a hole like that in your, anywhere in your stomach, intestine, you need to see a surgeon immediately because mm -hmm. you're probably going to be very sick or die. So the leaky gut is completely different. That's happening on a microscopic level. One day we'll talk about it, but I need lots of patients for that. So okay. uh, patients with a CE at the end. Yeah. So anyway, you can be very, very sick with this tender abdomen, severe pain, uh, lightheadedness, low blood pressure. You, you need to treat these patients immediately. Go to the emergency room. They'll start an IV proton pump inhibitor, IV antibiotics, and they need to see a surgeon immediately. So that would be the worst case scenario. Could that have happened? I mean, it would certainly, if that happened to Bruce Springsteen, he would certainly be out of commission for several weeks to, to months. So possible i don't really know but i like i said i think he's on the more severe end of things because of 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 how much time he has to take off with it which is how much it's over a month like 
Yeah, I think he canceled everything in September and maybe the beginning of October. Like I said, I'm still okay for November, but I'm stressed. <laughs> well, just imagine if you were as stressed as Bruce Springsteen. Obviously wishing the boss the best, because the boss is the best. Let us know what you guys thought about this episode. Uh, any other interesting facts? Or what about songs that we're missing? I mean, like I said, the guy has so many albums, 21 albums. We're missing a lot. We will admit to you. Yeah, we're that missing a lot. We are, but hundreds of songs. So, uh, but if there's something you really feel people should listen to, let us know, or that just me and Ollie should listen to. We'll be happy to hear from you guys. Uh, and as well, let us know about peptic ulcer disease, anything we may have missed that you guys want us to cover, drvcomedian at gmail.com. But in conclusion, remember that. I'm not your doctor or Ollie's doctor or Bruce Springsteen's doctor yet. Medical issues you talk about are for your interest and information only. And they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.